chief investment strategist with Schwab Center for Financial Research. It's great to have you on, Lizanne. Thanks for being with us. We're trying to get the vibe here on the market for this month of September, which historically shows some market weakness. How are you feeling about this September in particular? So, you know, seasonal should never be anything resembling a precise guide for what the market's going to do. Yes, September is the worst month historically. The combination of September and October are the worst, both in terms of medium return and risk reward profile. And there are there's not a short list of potential risk factors with which the market is is dealing. Obviously, the uh, the Delta variant, but also policy uncertainty, both on the monetary side and on the fiscal side, debt ceiling. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me to, to see a pickup in volatility or some sort of pullback. But it is the case that when the market historically has been at or near an all-time high by the end of August, the, the weakness that has ensued has tended to be a little milder. And some of these uh, sort of crescendo events that have happened in the September-October time period uh, turned out to be pretty good buying opportunities. Ah, okay. So a buy the dip opportunity, perhaps. I know you have certain sectors that you think may have more um, ability to move higher at this point versus another that might have a trap, for example. So currently you have an outperform at least on one sector. What is that versus a sector that may be a trap that we shouldn't necessarily jump into? Yes, yeah, so we only have one outperform rating among the 11 sectors, uh, and that's on healthcare. Uh, we, we're actually a believer that right now, especially for stock pickers, that they should take less of a sector-based approach and more of a factor-based approach. So as we've seen, sectors pretty dramatically moving in and out of favor on a day-to-day -day basis, on a week-to-week -week basis. I, I think we're at the part in the cycle where a bias toward quality and a bit of a hybrid in terms of value and, and growth. And healthcare kind of meets that criteria. Very strong balance sheets, relatively reasonable valuation, uh, strong macro underpinnings in terms of demographics and the investment uh, landscape. And then on the, the potential value trap, and, and Nicole, you and I have talked about this. It, it really drives me crazy when I hear people talk about growth versus value without going into any additional explanation. I think about growth and value in factor characteristic terms. So an example of a bit of a value trap right now is the utilities sector. They're housed in the value indexes. They're not housed in the growth indexes, but they're actually trading for the most part at valuations richer than the S&P. So you're not really getting any value, even though they're housed in the value indexes. Neither Russell nor S&P is going to move them into the growth indexes because they're expensive. They're just expensive stocks sitting in the value indexes. So those would be uh, two examples of, of that notion around factors versus sectors. Yeah, and I think you make a great point that, you know, to try and sometimes paint these things with a broad brush is not really the best way to do your investment portfolio. You really need to look at the other factors within the sector, within the stock even. Right. Um, it was Absolutely. interesting today because, yeah, I heard FANG, for example, today referred to as sort of a defensive play. Um, I never really thought of FANG as a defensive play. Is that on point or am I? Uh, well, I think what are your certainly you during, think of that the worst part, during the worst part of the pandemic uh, last year, the, the big five, which uh, is, mm -hmm. is another way to think about the FANG stocks. So the, the five largest stocks in the S&P, which last year are the same as they are right now, 
um, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, and Facebook. And they, and they weren't just housed in the tech sector. They span tech communication services and consumer discretionary. But sometimes FANG is used as a generic label to describe many of those same companies. And they were the pandemic lockdown era defensives. Because if you think about what was going on at that time and, and how much of the global economic ecosystem was shut down, it, it, we basically were living in the ecosystem associated with not just those names, but those types of names. So we also can't generalize when it comes to labels like defensive. Different cycles, defensive might mean something other than your classic consumer staples utilities. And I think uniquely in the COVID cycle, the defensives are not those traditionally defensive areas. Uh, that, that may mm -hmm. change, but that's certainly been the case in the last year. Yeah, and you and I have had extensive conversations about inflation and whether or not, you know, transitory or if it's permanent, semi-permanent, uh, you know, transient. I mean, there's so many words to describe it at this current time. Obviously, we still have an inflationary environment. For example, if you go to the supermarket or the gasoline pump, some of the other things have come down. But at this point, we have seen some softening on some of the economic indicators over the last month or so. Tell me your thoughts on, on the economy overall as Goldman Sachs, for example, lowering their GDP forecast. Um, how important is this economic outlook if it is in fact slowing a little bit and what the Fed may or may not do in, re in relation to that? Sure. So I do think that the macro backdrop is deteriorating, and I don't I don't consider that a terribly bold statement. We're seeing it in the data, the the weakness that had developed uh, even back a few months ago on the good side of the economy when we were seeing that huge surge in demand on the services side of the economy. Now you've got that dent of demand on the services side of the economy, courtesy of concerns about the Delta variant. At the same time, we're still dealing with supply chain disruption. So the supply chain disruptions is, is sort of a kink in the expansion story and part of the reason why we've seen estimates get uh, lowered. We're seeing it in the, the labor market. But unfortunately, it could mean that the inflation story persists a bit longer based on the supply piece of that uh, story. And mm. that's embedded in the semiconductor shortage, which feeds into the automobile components, which are a much bigger weight within United States inflation indicators versus other countries. So that's why more recently we have stood out relative to much of the rest of the world on the inflation metrics that we use to measure it.